0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Well, good morning. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I hope you get that. What a sweet day it is to get to participate in baptism. Uh, that first step of obedience, following Jesus. And I got to be honest with you. Uh, I want to be forthcoming uh, Cor and Kaler, that's not their first time. I baptized them probably 20 times in our swimming pool. <laughs> I need to be honest with you again. I've not just been baptized one time. I have a grandson, Judson, who's seven. I have a granddaughter who's three. They baptize me almost every time we get in the swimming pool and I baptize them because it's a big deal. I love baptism and it's a picture of what Jesus does for us. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus on our behalf, giving us life forever. And there's something I didn't come up with it. God came up with baptism as a picture of that, that in this liquid tomb, we are physically buried in that. But we emerge new from the inside out, brand new creatures. It's just good stuff. And I just kind of like hanging out with little kids because that's not weird. Okay, just for the record, it's sweet because the bible says unless you get faith like they got it you will not experience the kingdom of heaven so i want to encourage you to hang out with little kids so here's your opportunity we need help in the back i need you to sign up to serve in the preschool and children's wing and you'll be blessed you say well i'm too old for that no you're not i'm too young for that yeah probably not well i don't like kids well they don't like you either it'll be a good fit all right so i want to encourage you to sign up and help no, because children are a wonderful thing, man. God gave them to us as a blessing, and, uh, and we can learn from them. And so uh, we're still in the book of James, A Faith That Works. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, last week, we embarked on a little journey on not my favorite subject, patience. And we talked about the fact that people are slow, uh, we get frustrated, and we don't exercise patience. But it's not optional for a Christian, We talked about last week that if you follow Jesus, if you've given your life to him, he's uh, adopted you into his forever family. And when he does that, he marks us with the Spirit and he sends his Holy Spirit and the Spirit shows up with fruit and gifts in our life. So they're in there. And in Galatians five, it tells us what they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. One of those is patience, it's in there. And so it's non-optional, we must exercise patience. And it's hard sometimes. And so James said, listen, I know life gets tough sometimes and, and, and you get frustrated, but be patient. And here's how you do it. You refocus. You just, you just remember this. And he says three different ways. He says, hey, Jesus is coming back. And then he says, Jesus is coming soon. And then he says, Jesus is standing at the door. So when your life seems to be upside down, focus on the fact that Jesus is coming back because it could be today and all of your troubles will go away when he comes and takes you away. Amen? Now, that's good stuff. Now, he's going to move from that, from the idea of patience, and he's going to go to the next level in our journey. And what we're getting ready to look at is 100% true, but honestly, it's about 100% difficult to understand. The passage we're going to look at today in James is probably the most mistaken, misguided, misapplied scripture, one of them in all of the Bible. Because he's talking about deliverance from suffering. And all of us want to short circuit the trip through suffering. In other words, when suffering comes in our life. And, and, and the passage today, although most people want to think of, of, of sickness, it, it's not just sickness. In fact, it's not really sickness at all, although sickness is included. It's general. It's a blanket expression for suffering. It could be physical, physical. It could be emotional, it could be mental, it could be familial, something in your family, it could be ecclesiastical, which is the church, it could be whatever flavor you want. And all of us have suffering in our life, and it's no great surprise, it just shows up, and when it shows up, we call it like Thursday. It's just a day, and suffering shows up. We didn't necessarily do anything to bring it, to cause it, sometimes we do, but it just shows up. And then sometimes we get these ideas that I wanna get through this as fast as I can. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the Bible. I wanna, I wanna know what God says about it. And it's a good thing to do. But we need to do it the way God says to do it or we are left disenchanted with the word of God or lacking in faith about the greatness of who God is now. On the record, let me just say up front, I believe God is a miracle working God. He has never ceased in performing miracles every day. Every day is performing a miracle. You're here, it's a miracle. You drove, didn't you? you seen these crazies out there driving. It's a miracle you made it, okay? I'll give you a good one. Our younger daughter, her water broke a couple of months ago. By the way, Macon's doing great. He's over eight pounds now. I told somebody he's eight-pounder. That's great for a bass, still a little bitty guy. And so when her water broke, they put her in the hospital. She had to be still. And over a series of a few days, her water Filled back up in her womb it just created water and and so you know we're we didn't know so we said you know where's how does it do that you know and they said well when the baby urinates it creates amniotic fluid oh yeah <laughs> didn't know that too much information so somewhere along the line someone decided a mother drinks fluid Provides nutrients to the baby. If the water leaks out, when the baby urinates, it creates an ambient fluid. And then there's people who want to say there's no God. I mean, that's that's miracle stuff, amen? And he does that everywhere, all day long. Every moment of every day, miracles are flowing from the throne of heaven. But sometimes those miracles don't land on us just like we thought they should. So we're going to learn today that although it's cool and great and acceptable and and pleasing to ask God for miracles and to ask God to answer our prayers like we want, but I want to let you know, deliverance from suffering should not be the first motivation of our prayer. Because sometimes God's first motivation in answering our prayer is not delivering us from suffering, Let me give you one example. There's many, I'll give you one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes this. Paul says, so that I would not become arrogant, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to trouble me, so that I would not become arrogant. I asked the Lord three times about this, that it would depart from me, but he said to me, my grace is enough for you, My power is made perfect in weakness. So then I will boast most gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may reside in me. You get that? This is Paul, and he asked God to take away this thing, this suffering in his life. And God says, No, but I got grace. That's sufficient. And when you're weak, I'll show up big. You see, God has a different plan, a different agenda, and it's always better than ours even if it doesn't seem like it in the moment. About 30 years ago, I was working in a place in Chattanooga, and I had a friend, and he was a Bible believer. He loved, He was an old guy, but he, he had read his Bible a lot, and he loved Jesus, but he, he was of a church that was a word of faith church, and so we're talking one day, and I liked him a lot because he, he, he was a sincere Christian, and I was on the journey. I was real hungry, and, and he started teaching me, telling me these things about word of faith, what they believed, and I said, okay. He said, we believe that the power is in your words, that whatever you say can come to manifestation. And, and he said, and we believe that you never have to be sick. And ultimately, if you have enough faith, you wouldn't even die. And I said, oh, really? Well, I like that. Saying, I wish that was true, amen? <laughs> that would be good because, I mean, I can muster up some faith. That mustard seed of faith, I can muster it up. And as far as, you know, naming stuff, I'm a talker. I can name some stuff with the best of them. So I'm thinking, I'm intrigued by it, and I'm asking about it. One day I'm reading my Bible, and I read this passage that I just shared. And I went and said, his name was Paul too. I said, hey, Paul, help me here. I said, if if faith and the right words is all it takes for us to get what we want, why did Paul have to have the thorn in his flesh and God would not remove it? He looked at me, sincere as he could be. He said, Paul was lacking in faith. I said, like, Paul wrote 25% of every word in the New Testament. Look at his life. I think lacking in faith, that's a stretch, okay? And so then I got, off the, I got off the word of faith bus. As much as I wish that was true, it's just not real. It's not true. I wish it was, but it's not true. Now, don't get me wrong. Faith is a direct component of God's activity in our life. We must have faith. For, in fact, scripture says there were places Jesus didn't heal everybody because they lacked in faith. Faith is critical. Our words do have power in them, no doubt about it. But God does not move on the basis of our words of faith, of, of, our, yeah, of our words of faith. He, he doesn't move on that. God moves because He's God, okay? God doesn't have to respond to us, like we, want us to resp- like we want Him to respond to us because He's God and we're not. And he has a greater plan, a greater story out there that he's writing. And sometimes his story includes suffering. And sometimes it just kind of stinks. So I told Paul, I said, uh, my friend Paul, I said, I don't know how you can say that about the Apostle Paul. And he said, Paul, the Apostle, failed to embrace all that Jesus did for him. I'm like, okay, how? How? And he quoted this verse, Isaiah 53, 5. But it, he was wounded for our transgressions, talking about Jesus. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And I said, Paul, that whole chapter is talking about Jesus' atoning sacrifice on a cross for our sin-sick condition. I don't believe that means for every ailment, every every form of suffering that comes into our life. He said, that's what it means. And so I walked away that day a little bit confused, wondering how do our prayers and faith and our words and suffering work together? Because the sooner we understand this, the sooner we can wrap our minds around it and do things God's way. Now, what was my ultimate, my ultimate reason for walking away from the word of faith? because it dawned on me we've been around I believe in a young earth I believe about 6,000 years mankind's been here and we have that conversation Another day it doesn't matter that's been a lot of people right and did you know that everybody over about 110 they're dead a bunch of faithless people Now none of them got it none of them had the, good, the right word of faith none of them had enough mustard seeds of faith they're all dead and it dawned on me We can't undo what Satan did in the garden. Jesus is the only one that can do that. And when Jesus decides to do something, look out. And I want you to know, no matter what form, fashion, or flavor of suffering that you're walking in today, Jesus is your answer. Jesus is your healer. Jesus is the great physician. And sometimes his way of answering and healing your suffering situation doesn't look like you think it ought to look. Now, I can say that to you because listen to me. This is for me. Now, you, may, you may get something out of today's message, but this message is for the pastor. Because I am a weenie when it comes to sur- suffering. I'm just telling. Don't you amen me, Kendra? Kendra's a, a pretty good sufferer i'm not a good sufferer okay I'm like whiny. I mean I get a cold and i 'm whiny, you know and, and so I need this because i've I have been in a season of suffering I have been for a while and and i i'm trying to figure out how to work, walk through it and work in it and live in it and 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 and, and experience. My life with Jesus in the middle of it. And you know what? I'm not the only one. In this very room, there are those of you who have been in a season. I'm not talking about a Thursday, a day. I'm talking about a season of hurt difficulty and suffering. It may include physical illness and sickness. It's whatever variety. There's others in here. And there's some of you that think, Well, praise God, I hadn't been in it. We need to pray for you. Yours is in the chamber because the devil hates you too. And and so we're going to learn about that today. And this passage for 20 centuries may have been misunderstood, misapplied, and misguided. Contextually, you got to remember, this is James. The half-brother of Jesus, right? Shared bunk beds, ate out of the same chili bowl, you know, growing up. He knew he was special. You could not help but know Jesus was special. But he didn't embrace him as Savior of the world. He didn't like, yeah, I surrender all. We just sang that. He didn't say, I surrender. He didn't sing that. It wasn't his song. Okay, he was just half-brother. But then he met Jesus. The post-crucifixion resurrected Jesus. And everything changed. Jesus came to him in particular, and revealed himself. And everything's changed for James. Now he's on a journey with Jesus. Now he's the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, a church that struggled, a church that was under persecution by both Jews and Rome. And it was a hard season, a hard time. They were trying to extinguish the people of the way, the, the people who are of Jesus. And so that's who he writes to. Now, There's going to be days in our life, just like the early church. See, it's 2,000 years post-Jesus resurrection and ascension. And and we still walk in this suffering. And there's days when we just wonder, man, my my patience is wearing thin. I don't know that I can take another ounce of the negative stuff in my life. I don't know if I can handle another spoonful of suffering. I'm ready for a change. Now watch this. Anybody feel that sometimes? Just put your hand up. You feel that sometimes? Yeah. I want you to know it's okay. God knows your suffering. You have your suffering because it went through the sovereign lens of God. I don't know why he allowed your particular flavor, but he did. And he's in it with you. And he will not leave you alone in it. And you need to be reminded on your darkest day that God is still on his throne. James said last week, Jesus is coming back. The Holy Spirit lives in you and has given you fruits and gift to live with. Hold your head up. Plant your feet. Hang on to God because there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And the light may look like the return of Jesus or the light may look like just another day of suffering with Jesus. But you can hold your head up because you're not alone. This is the beauty of the church family because we ought to be more vulnerable, more exposed, more transparent, because we're in this thing together, and we can encourage each other along the way. And so the title of the message today is this, on the back of your life guide, help in hurting times. What do we do? How, what do we do biblically in times when we're suffering? When it just kind of stinks to do life, you know, when it just doesn't feel good. Here's what we're going to learn. First on the back of your life guide is one, private prayer. It begins with private prayer. Listen to what James says. He says, is any, verse 13, is anyone among you suffering, he should pray. Now that word he is a neutral word, non-gender. It means he or she, man, woman, boy or girl. This is what you do. If any of you is suffering, now, I don't know all of y'all are not, but if any of you are, there's just one, you begin with private, excuse me, yeah, private Prayer. Now, private prayer is what? What is private prayer? What is prayer anyway? Because we're confused on that. Prayer is an intimate conversation between you and your heavenly Father through Jesus, his Son, our intercessor, guided by the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. It takes all three. You get it? Our posture is this. I've been born again, adopted into the family of God. So, God, the creator of the universe, the one that flung the stars in the sky, the one that knows them by name and number, the one that causes them to shine, the one that whispered in everything that exists came out of nothingness. Okay, God, you're my father, all right? And it's because of Jesus, what he did on a cross. And now Jesus intercedes for me. When I pray, he takes the silliness of my prayers, the willfulness of my prayers, and he reformulates them, repackages them, and presents them to God the Father on our behalf, on my behalf. And all along the way, we're led from the inside out by the Holy Spirit who has now been placed inside of us. All right? That's what it looks like. And so prayer becomes an extension of that. Okay, this is my opportunity to talk to god that's just cool the fact that he would listen to us is amazing to me and yet the bible tells us plainly god's ears are tilted and attentive to the prayers of the righteous who is that if you're a child of god that's you righteous means rightness with god you're not right on your own when god looks from his vantage point he sees you through jesus and he sees the rightness of jesus placed over the top of you so when you pray it comes through the righteousness of Jesus and lands in the ears of God the Father and so he's listening to our prayers now what do these words mean when it says if anyone among you is suffering we want to say sick we want to think that means just sick like I've got COVID so I need to pray so I can be delivered from COVID I've got a heart situation I need to pray that that he'll and it can mean that but that's not the word The word in the Greek is kakopatheo. It means to be afflicted, to be troubled, or to suffer evil. That's what it means. He says, So if this is you, you need to pray. And so what we forget sometimes is that we've got a good, good God, even on the worst of our days. He's still there, He never left His throne, He was never threatened. He's not surprised by the suffering. He's right there, and all he wants is for us to pray to him. He knows about our suffering. He simply wants us to recognize that he knows about our suffering and is willing to come and intervene in the middle of our suffering. James says it this way. He says, if anyone among you is suffering, he should pray. She should pray. It's, it's, it's the first thing we should do. It should be our first response rather than our last resort now let me tell you about your pastor your pastor sometimes has a first response that doesn't look like that because i am ai a I'm a, I, I, a get-or-done guy I'm, I do I want I'm, on, I'm on to fix stuff I want to get stuff done I want to jump in the middle of it and mess it up if I have to but I'm gonna be doing something you know I'm not passive right I'm more of an aggressive I'm in it And so I go in and make a mess. I take suffering. I I amp it up. I make it worse. Meanwhile, God's saying, can you show me a scripture that shows you to do that? Well, I don't have a scripture. And he's like, did you read James? Yeah, but I forgot. What I'm supposed to do as a first response, not a last resort, is to pray. James is the pastor of the early church, first century. What does he know about prayer? A lot, okay? Historically, James had a nickname. His nickname was Old Camel Knees. Camel Knees, because he was a fervent prayer warrior. He knew the only way for this church to move forward as God intended for it to was to be on his knees in prayer. History says that he prayed for hours on his knees before God. I don't even like talking about that. One, my knees are terrible. It hurts me to get on my knees. Two, I ain't got time for that. Just to be honest, just to be candid with you. God owns God. I don't have time. There's all this stuff that's going to mess, me, mess this time up. All right? I got stuff to do. What I already said. Meanwhile, James says, anybody suffering, he should pray. So it's a lesson to all of us that the key to the thing is to pray. Now, James is going to tell us that because not only does he know it's imperative for his church, for the church to move forward in a persecuted time through prayer, he also watched his brother Jesus. And Jesus prayed like this. Jesus had private prayer times. Listen, listen what happens in Matthew 6 6. He tells us, he says, whenever you pray, go into your inner room close the door, pray to your father in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus said for you, if you're a follower of him, to find you a place, tuck yourself away, and pray in secret to God. That's awesome, Jesus. We got grandkids. That's awesome, Jesus. I got a job. That's awesome, Jesus. I got a spouse and she needs me to take the garbage out. I I got stuff to do, right? You could make the list, right? Jesus says, find you a place and close the door and talk to God. Now, I don't know what your place is. Maybe your your house is busy and maybe you got to go lay in the crawl space. Act like the rapture already took place. They're screaming and hollering. You ain't even answering because you're in a prayer time. I don't know. Maybe your closet, maybe your private time is driving down the road all by yourself and you just pray to God. I don't know where it is, but Jesus said you need that. And I venture to say, most of us fail miserably at yielding in that area to him. Now, it's not like Jesus just said that to us and James picked up, or said that to the disciples and James picked up, oh yeah, I'm gonna put that in here. Jesus never asked us to do anything he didn't do. And Jesus would get alone and pray. It says in Luke chapter five, verse 16, it says, I'm sorry, Matthew 26, 36, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, you sit here while I I go there and pray. You you get that? He's with with his boys, his early disciples, the one invited into this kingdom agenda. And he's rolling with them, hanging out with them, performing miracles in front of them. I mean, it was cool. But there were moments when he would say, hey, man, this is awesome, man. We're killing good. Y'all doing good? Hey, y'all hang out right here. I'm going over there to pray. He didn't need them all in his business every minute. He had to slip away over here. Now, if Jesus, who is the Son of God, part of the true and living God, found it necessary to get away To get with God what do you think that means for us (laughs) we need a lot of it we need to get away with God not not only that in Luke 5 16 it says Jesus himself frequently withdrew to the wilderness and prayed if it's good enough for Jesus it's good enough for us amen and so we need to practice learn to practice the art of praying now in verse 13 the word is should he says if anybody's suffering He should pray. Now what does that even mean? It means he's not saying he's going to shoot you with a bolt of lightning if you don't. He's saying you should pray. And if you don't pray, that's okay too. It's on you. But don't come bellyaching to me when things are upside down. Because I told you, (laughs) you should pray. But if you don't want to pray, fine. But just own the responsibility of the world you live in. Have you noticed that some people don't want to own the responsibility of the world they live in? They want to they always put it off on somebody else. Boy, we live in that world right now. God says that we should simply pray. James 4, James told us we don't have because we don't ask. We don't pray and we don't receive. And yet we still go and complain to God for all the things that are happening in our life. Now, I've... I truly believe that women are tougher when it comes to suffering than men are. That's why they have babies, just saying. Population would have ceased to exist if it landed on Adam. It'd been one and done and probably killed his own child, just saying. And so I think women are better at suffering, better at praying. Men take suffering, it's more like a competition. This is what it looks like, okay? Man sees another man, he's got a bandage on his arm. Hey, man, what happened? You got that bandage on there, man. Well, I, was, I, I fell off my lawn. My lawnmower flipped over and landed. At, I had to get nine stitches. And, oh, wow. You know what the guy does? Well, let me pray for you. <laughs> no, he does not do that. You know what he says? Last summer, I was on a ladder. I fell 30 feet, broke both legs and nine ribs. You did? Yeah. Well, I got a friend of mine, chainsaw got him, lost his leg. I mean, it's, now it's a competition. We won up in the suffering. You think you got suffering? Let me tell you about this suffering. You you know we do that. I know you do that. I've heard you. I've heard you. I've tried to one up you. Can't do it. All right. Now instead of a competition, what if every time we thought of the word suffering, what if every time we we felt suffering in our life, we simply used that as a motivation to say, Ah, there's that suffering thing. What was James said? If any of us suffer, oh, oh yeah, we should pray. And we simply pray we simply turn it over to God stop our complaining and move it to prayer listen Philippians 4 6 because this is what we do sometimes we have a situation in our life we're suffering from as I mentioned earlier different forms flavors fashions all of them different but we have these things we're suffering from and 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 then we all sudden we have this revelation yeah I really need to pray about it like it's you know it's like getting a root canal or something you know I guess I need to pray and we pray and we turn it over to God God I've tried to fix it my bad I did it again I'm gonna let you have it I want you to take it Lord it's all yours just this is what I need please handle it I'm getting ready to say amen but I probably need to take a little bit of it with me so we don't leave it we leave part of it but we hang on to like a remnant we carry in some of us with us that's not what we're to do that's not bible that's not scripture in fact in philippians 4 6 it says do not be anxious or to worry about anything okay how he said rather instead in every situation through prayer and petition with thanksgiving tell your request to god it's not both and i'm going to pray and let it go and walk away and carry it myself that's not it I am going to give it to God and let him have the whole thing. And when I feel myself trying to pick it up and take care of it again, it's a good opportunity just to go back in to prayer and say, God, I'm trying to pick it up again. My bad, please. I'm giving it to you again. And he says that when we do give thanksgiving, now this isn't to say, well, God, you know, I've got a knee that needs to to be replaced and uh, I'm having migraines every day and I've got this mess in my family, and I got all of this stuff, and I just thank you for every bit of it, God. It feels good. That's not what he's saying. Where's the thanksgiving come from? Because we don't have to be anxious about it anymore. We don't have to worry about it anymore. We don't have to fix it anymore. We don't have to carry that burden anymore. We give it to God, walk away and say, "Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for taking this off and out of my hands." I told Kendra and I were having a conversation. We 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 have these things that kind of jump on us, and one of the first the first phrase in the morning is not "Hey, good morning, baby, I love you." Hers is not "Hey, you big hunk of man." She thinks it, but she doesn't say it. Here's what we say. No lie, this is true. How'd you sleep that 's our line that 's our good morning world. How'd you sleep and it's one of those things where if i say if she says "I was terrible, I was up from one to three and got up again at three thirty now i 'm in the crossroads because if I had a good night i 'm like, man, I slept like Rip Van Winkle, man." I- it's like i had, like i had drugs in my system i was in a coma it was so good oh now i'm i'm rubbing it in right so even if i have a good night of sleep i say she said oh, my was terrible you know how was yours and i go oh, it was okay okay so one night we were talking i said listen i prayed i said god i know you never sleep so i'm going to give you all of my junk because there ain't no need both of us being awake that's a good prayer. I'm gonna let you have it all because no need in both of us worrying about it. No need in both of us looking around, wondering what we're supposed to do next. You've got this. I'm gonna close my eyes. It's a good night's sleep. Sometimes it's hard to do. And, and so we have to practice private prayer. And we've heard these quotes like, when we feel most unable to pray, we should be most given to prayer. Or when it is hardest to pray, we should pray the hardest. Those are true. But in the moment of suffering, sometimes it's easier said than done. Now, watch this. So, James comes out of the chute here and he says, Is any of you suffering? He should pray. And we'll try that. Now, he's going to throw us a curveball. He's going to give us a helpful hint for finding help in hurting times. Listen to what he says. Point number two personal praise. You see, we move now from private prayer to personal praise here's what he says is anyone in good spirits he should sing praises okay if anyone's suffering he should pray if he's in good spirits then he should sing praises now good spirits mean to be means to be cheerful or to be encouraged This same word shows up in acts 27 in acts 27 Paul is on a ship and they're going on a mission And there's all these people on the ship and the ship hits a storm and the ship begins to come apart. And and Paul goes to them. I mean, this thing's going down. They've thrown the gear over. They know they're not going to make it. This same word shows up. Paul says, hey, everybody, be of good cheer. Just be encouraged. Ship's going down. Be of good cheer. Be encouraged. But then he says why. He says, nobody's going to die. So this verse is the same way. You can be of good cheer on your hardest day because in the end, if you're a child of God, you won't die either. You may die a physical death, we all will, or be raptured, but you won't die a spiritual death. So no matter what comes your way, you can still have courage knowing that it won't kill your eternal existence. Your destiny, your destination is fixed in Jesus and it is victorious and it is alive so he says if anyone has is in good spirits if anyone is cheerful is any if anyone is encouraged he should sing praises now what does that even mean sing praises it means the Greek word is solo p-s-a-l-l-o solo it's like the book of psalms and it is to move by a touch to twitch to strike the strings or chords of an instrument or to sing. It means to make a noise based on an action or an input. It means to stir in your spirit, in your soul, a song, a chord, a noise that resonates praise to the God who has created you and chosen to save you. Now, again, it's a neutral pronoun, he or she, It says, when we're of good courage, when we're uh, cheerful, we should sing a song or play an instrument to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Now, I said that women suffer better than men. I'm going to tell you something else I believe is true. And you may not believe it. I'd still be right, I think. I think women do better at this than men. I think women do better at singing praises than men. How do I know? I can't get a witness. Where's Caleb at? Caleb plays his guitar. And if you saw some of your faces while you were trying to play a guitar and sing, you'd bl- break the strings and run off the stage like a little kid. You ought to see what I see when I come out here every Sunday. Oh. Men say, well, I do sing. I sing best like this. And I've learned that if I bring my eyebrows way down low on my eyes like that, I sing, boy, I get real worshipful then. And my lips... When they go down like that, man, I can sing a song to Jesus. You ain't, you singing to the devil. This is the devil. You ain't going to get released. You ain't going to, God's not going to enjoy your worship. I, I know I don't. I don't know. Men that were terrible, terrible. But I've seen men sing and be excited. Go down there with 100,000 yahoos and let Rocky Top play. Rocky top, like you wrote the song, man, you in it. <laughs> Driving down the road, I got friends in low places. <laughs> the list is long. Don't worry, be happy. Oh, man, you have sing it. Meanwhile, Jesus said, what happens that on Sunday? Now, I know about biggest part of them is because they had about three bottles of liquid stupid before they started singing. They forgot that they're not supposed to sing. Right? Paul, excuse me, James says, if anybody's cheerful, is there anything good in your life? Out of all the suffering that you're in, and James knows it's real, he was in it too. Your pastor knows it's real, because he walks in it too. But in all of the suffering in your life, is there anything good? I mean, are you breathing okay? Is your heart beating pretty regular? Are you able to get around? Do you have children that love you and that you love back? Do you have grandchildren? Do, do, you, do you have a home, a place to lay down at night? Is the air condition working a oh, workinging? a new word. Did you eat something yesterday? Look around. There's reasons for us to praise God. There's reasons for us to sing to God. And here's what happens. When we do that, it changes our approach to those suffering moments. You see, if we enter a suffering moment with praise on our heart, all of a sudden, we feel the suffering, but we still still know there's someone out there with us that we can praise now, you have the spirit in you. And I said that about joking about people who, you know, drink and then they start singing, you know, maybe it's karaoke and they think they're good and they're not. It's funny, all right? You have the spirit of God in you, which is far greater than any spirit this, off, this world has to offer you. And when you release the spirit of God in you, you know what it sounds like? A song. How do I know that? the Bible tells me. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Here's the, the, it's, not e- it's not both and. It's either or. He says, don't be, don't be filled with wine. Don't get drunk. He says, but on the other hand, be filled with the Spirit. And then he says what? He, he tells us the result. He says, And when you're filled by the Spirit, speaking then to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've all got something to sing praises about. Sometimes we just have to look a little harder than others. But if the Spirit of God is in you, He'll help you find a reason to sing and a reason to praise. And so when suffering comes our way, we don't just go belly aching to God. We sing to God and we praise him through the midst of our suffering. Joy and encouragement and cheer should drive us closer to God and not further away. And so we all own the fact that we don't live in a trouble-free world. It's not a suffer-free world. It's real. All of us have it from time to time. Sometimes it comes in waves. Sometimes it seems overwhelming. It's in those times that we need to remember people who have suffered before we did. You know, there's always somebody who has it worse. Boy, I need to hear that. Sometimes we have a personal pity party over the stuff that's in our life. Meanwhile, we don't have to go far to find somebody who's got it a whole lot worse than we do. Have you figured that out yet? If you ever really feel bad about yourself, go visit Children's Hospital. My. Go to St. Jude's. Wow. Then you'll remember your life is not as bad as you thought it was. Job, we saw last week, he lost his family, lost his wealth, lost all of his animals. He was broken. He was broken. And his response to it in verse 21 of Job 1 says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. His suffering in chapter 1 is probably worse than all of our suffering combined. It's certainly the biggest part of it. I mean, he lost everything. All of his kids. All of his wealth. All of his possessions. Everything. And he says, you know what? I didn't have anything when I got here. I'm not taking anything when I go. He said, the Lord gave it to me. He decided to take it away. And then he says this. This would be a good time for a pity party for Job, wouldn't it? This would be a good time to say, no. why God? Why me? I'm a righteous man. And he was. He says, may the name of the Lord be blessed. Singing a praise. Now I want you to know something. I want you to hear me well. Just because you pray... And just because you praise, it does not mean that tomorrow the suffering will be gone, okay? It doesn't mean that. I'm not teaching you that. The Bible doesn't teach that. But we still pray. And we still praise. So chapter 2 of Job comes along. He lost everything. He didn't think it would get worse. Bless the name of the Lord, he took it. He gave it, he took it. I didn't have it when I got here. I'm not going to take it with me. Job chapter 2 comes along and Satan tells God, he's still just, he's righteous because you give him all the stuff and you protect him. He says, okay, you can inflict harm on him. God allows it. I just want you to know, your suffering comes from the devil, but it's allowed by God. I don't understand all that, so don't ask me, but it's real. So verse 7 says, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and he afflicted Job with a malignant ulcer from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. And Job took a shard of broken pottery to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. That's a good day. He says, then his wife said to him, she comes along to encourage. He says, are you still holding firmly to your integrity? You should just curse God and die. Thank you. Makes me feel better. Verse 10, but he replied, to his wife you're talking like one of the godless women and then he tells God he says this about God should we receive what is good from God and not also receive what is evil in all this Job did not sin by what he said Job says listen everybody in here You're no different than the person sitting next to you. You got suffering in your life and maybe you hadn't had it today or for a week. You'll have some. You may have already had some. You may be in some. Maybe yours is coming. Suffering is a part of life. But I want you to know all the while there's a whole lot of good stuff flowing from the heart of God in your direction. And whether it's the hard stuff or the good stuff James says just pray through it and praise through it hold your head up because God is going to do something in the middle of it he has a greater story he's writing and he's writing you in it Acts chapter 16 and we're almost finished verse 20 this is what it looks like when they had brought them before the magistrates they said Paul and Silas are on a mission trip they're spreading the gospel Planting churches, doing what Jesus told them to do, being good Jesus followers, right? If you are a good Jesus follower, life ought to be pretty sweet all the time. That's not true. So they get arrested. These men are, they accuse them. These men are throwing our city into confusion. They're Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us to accept or practice since we are Romans. The crowd then joined the attack against them, and the magistrates tore the clothes off of Paul and Silas and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had beaten them severely, they threw them into prison and commanded the jailer to guard them securely. Receiving such orders, he threw them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Okay, this a, it's a good time to whine, right? It's a good time to bellyache to God, right? I mean i'm preaching the gospel i'm doing what jesus told me to do now i'm arrested they ripped my clothes off and shamed me in front of my peers they beat me unmercifully they put me in the prison and put shackles on my feet this is what it looks like following jesus be a good time for that (laughs) but watch this verse 25 none of that didn't say anything verse 25 so about midnight paul and silas apparently had read james paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god that's what it looks like when all hell breaks loose in your life when the devil has you in the crosshairs of his scope when he has unleashed every demon flavor that he has in his artillery and it has your name on it, we pray and we sing. So what happens when we get this right? What happens? Let's keep reading. He says in the rest of the prisoners, they were listening. I want you to know, sometimes God uses your suffering as the greatest form of testimony to God's greatness to the people in your world. Sometimes when you're hurting, people see that and they watch how you respond to that hurt and it becomes a testimony of how real God is in your life. That's hard truth, you know? And so they prayed and sang. They did it well, people are watching. Verse 26, (laughs) I, I like this suddenly a great earthquake occurred so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors flew open and the bonds of all the prisoners came loose and when the jailer woke and saw the doors of the prison standing open he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he assumed the prisoners had escaped man I like it I like that I wish I could tell you today, and I'm not saying it can't happen. I wish that, man, suffering comes. Oh, wow, I I know what happens when this, and Paul and Silas, okay, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to sing, and I'm waiting for the earth to shake, and I'm waiting for the doors to swing open, and I'm waiting for the big miracle to happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way, but I want you to know something. Listen, every time we do what God says to do, he says we should pray we should sing praises when we are obedient to the word of God we may not feel the earth shake we may not see prison doors fly open but God is at work in the middle of it you may not see it but he's at work because he honors his word and when we do what he says like he says to do it he can't help but get in the middle of it and he'll change things he'll touch lives so how does this play out verse 28 so Paul called out to the jailer who's about to kill himself he says hey don't harm yourself we're all here and calling for lights the jailer rushed in and he fell down trembling at the feet of Paul and Silas and then he brought them outside and he asked sirs what must I do to be saved how do I get what you've got In the middle of your suffering, you're singing and praying and earthquakes are happening and doors are opening up. I want some of what you got. He replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with all those who were in the house. At that hour of the night, he took them, the jailer did, and he washed their wounds and then he... And all his family were baptized right away. Well, hold the phone. This started with a beatdown, false allegations, imprisonment, and shackles, and it landed in a household where the whole bunch of them get saved and baptized. Isn't that beautiful? That's what happens. That's what what God wants to do when we get this right. It says now at verse 35, at daybreak, the magistrates sent their police officers officers saying, release those men. The jailer reported the words to Paul saying, hey, the magistrates have sent orders to release you, so so come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to the police officers, no, they had us beaten in public without a trial. Even though we are Roman citizens, they threw us in the prison and now they want to send us away secretly (laughs) absolutely not see when we begin to praise and uh, to pray and praise in our suffering we get a holy boldness we our spine stiffens up we plant our feet in the face of the enemy and say no it doesn't play this way no 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 we're not doing it that way and so Paul made them come and escort him out I want you to know, church, and I want me to know that suffering is real, but God is bigger. And we tie those two together through prayer and praise. And I finish with this amazing story about a song that you've probably, every person in here has heard. It is well. It is well with my soul. We've all heard the song. And maybe you've heard the story. The story of that song is amazing. There's a wealthy man in Chicago. This was in the 1800s. And he owned just a lot of real estate in Chicago. And his name is Horatio Spafford. And the fires of Chicago consumed the biggest part of his real estate. And much of his wealth was gone. And so to ease the pain through it all, He wanted to take his family to Europe on a vacation. And so they got tickets to board a ship. And on the day they were supposed to sail, Horatio Spafford couldn't load the boat. So his wife and his four daughters got on the ship and they headed across the ocean. And Horatio took care of the business. And a few days went by and there was a shipwreck. The ship that held his wife and his four daughters had collided with another ship. And it sank. And most of the people drowned in the ocean. And he didn't know what to think. And then he gets a telegram and it said, alive, all alone. His wife had survived and all four of his children perished in that shipwreck. And so he wanted to go to Europe to retrieve his wife and bring her back and he boarded a ship. And they went across the ocean. And when the ship got to the place where the tragedy had happened, The captain went to Horatio and said, this is where your daughters drowned. And he went into his cabin and he wrote this little song. It says, when peace like a river attendeth my way and when sorrows like sea billows roll. He says, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. Paul, oh, that's a suffering moment like Job, you know? You lose your children, all of them, four of them at that one time and he pens a song that basically says what Job said. When it's all good, you're my God. When everything's upside down, you'll still be my God. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I know without anybody telling me on this day that there's people in this very room who are suffering of a variety of causes and reasons and I want you to know you are not alone. And I know sometimes it's big and it hurts and we get impatient and we wonder if God is even hearing our prayers He is hearing your prayers. And I want to encourage you to spend time in a closet, in a private place, praying to God. He wants to hear it and you say, I've already prayed. Keep on praying. And in between those moments of prayer, praise God for all the good things that he's done in your life. And then just wait and let God be God and let him write a more beautiful story through your suffering than you ever thought possible. Also know in this very room today there's people who struggle having an intimate conversation with God because an an intimate conversation with God is a reflection of an intimate relationship with God and that only happens through Jesus his son and maybe on this day you know that you don't have a relationship with God because you've never surrendered to Jesus and on this day you may feel him inviting you into his forever family and maybe it's on this day that your prayer for this day is simply this God I know I'm a sinner I know I messed things up and I've tried to fix me and I can't. But in this moment, I feel you inviting me into your family. And I don't understand the depth of that, but I believe it. And so I repent of my sin. I change my mind about it. I receive Jesus' gift in my life. I want Jesus to save me and be my master from this day forward. And starting today, Now that I'm in relationship with you, I want to start practicing prayer and praise because I got a lot to praise now because you've rescued me from me. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this this encouragement in times of suffering. Help us be people who are on our knees in prayer. Help us be people who raise our hands in praise because you are a good God. Whether our day seems good or not, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.